Hello, howdy, and what's up? Welcome to episode seven of Being High with Dualistic Unity. This uh, was a really fucking fun one to record, and I enjoyed it a lot because we had no idea this was going to be a Being High episode going into it, but we were both fucking baked out of our mind throughout it, and we talked about cannabis, so we are like, hey, might as well make this Being High episodes. That's the backstory of this episode, and that's going to be my intro. I'm not going to lie. I'm still pretty high um, just because while the cannabis does some of the work and we've talked about that previously, we're just really relaxed. Like this whole episode, the entire conversation was just really relaxed, which was the point. I love the fact that this episode of Being High really does point at the intention behind this series, which is to talk about cannabis, to talk about the stigma, to talk about the experience of being high, the fear of getting high, some of the ideas around cannabis, as well as some of the benefits that we can take from the experience of cannabis, not even having to use cannabis all the time, actually developing a healthy relationship with it in terms of responsibility and awareness. This episode is a really good conversation. And admittedly, I love the fact that we were super baked doing it, still a little baked, and I would likely get baked as a celebration after this. <laughs> so I look forward to the feedback on this one, especially. And I look forward to more episodes of Being High. Likewise. And with all of that said, I hope you enjoy this live stream that is episode seven of Being High with Dualistic Unity. And here we are for an episode of Dualistic Unity Social that we did not expect to do because we were going to record an episode of Being High today. So instead, we're just recording an episode while being high. Uh, I was saying to Andrew that just prior to this, I went through uh, my Bud Buster or some of it of some of you might just call it a grinder and there has been you know the accumulated crystal and whatnot in the back uh, in the bottom of this thing for oh i don't even know months uh months and i just packed a bowl just prior to this like five minutes before we got on this call and uh so i'm pretty baked and andrew was asking how is that experience for me and i, I want to talk about this because it's it's really important to get this out of the way because I get baked and for the most part, people don't know that I'm baked. Like if I were to just go to work, for example, or have something to do, I would just work and do what I'm doing. Um, nothing would really change for the most part. And it's because I, I generally practice just relaxing most of the time. I, I find that when I am baked, the biggest thing or the biggest hurdle I deal, deal with is the stigma, is the stereotype against it. And I, I really deal with it hard because I went through prohibition uh, in Canada in terms of, of you know, it's bad for you and it's so bad for you that you know we're not going to make it legal because there's not enough research it's like well let's do research like we can't do that because it's illegal and it was just just ridiculous and people just judging you and calling you a stoner and a hippie and and all of this this stuff and so the biggest journey when it comes to cannabis use for me because again you can be functional and use cannabis you know, the people tend to go, no, you're just a lazy stoner. And that's that's very, very wrong and incorrect. And you can talk to a number of successful people who smoke weed and have for the majority of their lives. You know, it, it, it isn't the limiting factor that everybody wants it to be. Or rather that a lot of people want to make it out to be by any means. And so the biggest hurdle, again, has just been in accepting myself while I'm stoned like not judging myself for being high. It'd be kind of like judging yourself for being full after eating a meal. 
It's like I smoked a joint to get high. Now I'm judging myself for being high. This seems kind of counterintuitive. And, and so that really is a big part of it is just recognizing like, yeah, I'm high. But in the same way that recognizing like, yeah, I've had three coffees, I'm super generated, I'm talking a lot of fat, really fast, and I don't know what I'm going to do. And, you know, like it's just, it's just recognizing that there are things that influence you, taking accountability for them and continuing on despite them. But you'll notice most of the time when people talk about the problems they have with being high, it's their response to being high. It's not actually the being high that's the problem. It's that they're afraid people know they're high. They're afraid that they can't do things while they're high. Like, it's just, it's all of the, the fear that comes from the response to being high rather than being high itself. Because if you were to just shut the fuck up and do what's in front of you, you would find it incredibly easy to do the thing that's in front of you because you'd be focusing on it. That's the nice thing about being high. Kind of makes you a little single-minded in terms of whatever you're doing. And yet, for some reason, we think that that gets in our way of doing things. So it's all just fear. It's all just stigma. And that's, I find, the biggest hurdle and the thing that's changed the most for me. I don't give a fuck if you know I'm high. I'm still probably more productive than you. <laughs> yeah, I, I could uh, could almost guarantee that. And that, like, because it's almost like we, if I have this assumption that I can do more than one thing at a time, that I can focus on more than one thing at a time and kind of, like, keep things at bay as I go, as I, as I do things, as I respond to things, then when I am forced, like almost not forced, but like the focus can only be directed in one direction. It's like, that's all the all and everything that you're experiencing. And so there's an intensity to that. But, and so if you're used to kind of like passively thinking about yourself, that, that thought about yourself will be all that there is in that moment. And there's like a inability to look at other things or do other things or or get beyond that as long as i'm maintaining like yeah this is about me and this means something about me and i'm maintaining this idea of me like that's all i'm going to be able to see and so all of the the thoughts that's what it's focused on and that's where the anxiety paranoia whatever is because it's the focus and that direct focus on that on that story at trying to know what's going on or clinging to some idea that I can know. And so if I'm trying to figure out what's going on when there's just no way of knowing that it's like the, it's almost like the obviousness, obviousness of just being here is so apparent. It's like, I'll, I'll try and avoid that. And, and it's harder to avoid that, that I, that I'm just here. And all I have is, is myself right now. There's no guarantees of anything. And if I think that there is sometimes there's going to be a fight to that experience because I'm not used to not being able to rely on certain things. But as long as you're willing to just be yourself and be here and without so many ideas of what that should be or how you should look like you relax into the experience a little bit more. And then, you know, you're just back to where you are without so many concerns. And there's a clarity there that's can be very intense, but I think that stigma, the stigma kind of runs for, for anyone too. Like even me as spoiled as I am with the, uh, the weed one, I haven't just kind of gotten into it. There's still that idea that like, oh, this is, there's at least a, a slight negative connotation or, or slightly negative stigma, you know, that I can hold on to about that. And then that 
does a great job of amplifying my perception of myself. Cause like any idea of me doing something wrong, like right now I'm doing something wrong in how I'm acting or how I'm being. But if there's that inherent idea to it, that underlying idea that the weed itself is wrong, then as you go through the entire experience of being high, there's going to be like an underlying resistance until that's let go of too. And it's just that difference in experience. It all it is, is all it is like that difference in the way that you are perceiving yourself that doesn't match the same story that you, that same pinpointed, very specific story that you've held on to for a long time. And so because I've gotten people get so used to the story, like we changed that, like it's an entirely different experience. And so therefore you are different. And it's like the, the paranoia, the anxiety is the fight to maintain the story and it's like it's it's almost like a blowback to hold it trying to hold on to that perception that very specific perception as opposed to just being like yeah i don't have to hold on to that i actually don't know what the fuck i am i don't know what exactly is going on right now i don't know how anything's being taken what's being perceived like i don't know anything right now with certainty. Can I be okay with that? Or am I not okay with that? If I'm not okay with that, then there's going to be just the, uh, I want to know something else. I want to be able to hold on to something else. Like, yeah, but I can't, but I want to. And then it's back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I, I like the fact that again, it, cannabis use is showing you it's, it's not just showing you what it is to be relaxed, but how many things that you hold on to that stop you from being relaxed. Cause it's all of a sudden, it's just like, it's like, Oh, here, Here's a deeper, deeper level of relaxation. You've got all these thoughts. You're like, oh, I cannabis is doing all this to me. It's like, no, 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 no. That's just why you're not this relaxed the rest of the time. What you're seeing is the gap between where you are most of the time and being this relaxed. You don't need cannabis to get here. That's the point, right? But that doesn't mean the cannabis can't show you that you can get here. You could remember it from being a child. Hell, you can just relax. If you really want to i mean this is one thing i i enjoy about um cannabis as a whole is i like to compare it to just being kind of goofy like it's just that's really all it is like you're laughing for your own reasons you know you, you're 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 finding the oddest things funny like that's really all it is you're, you're just relaxed enough to take yourself less seriously to take everything else less fucking seriously you can feel like that just being goofy if you're doing it authentically, if you're doing it as a result of being relaxed rather than trying to be the goofy person in the crowd, you know, that kind of thing, making goofy another identity. Um, we have uh, a question here in, in the comment section. By the way, I can't see your Instagram comment section at the moment. Keep an eye out for, uh, for questions. I'll check that in a bit. What are your experiences with letting go of guilt? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I think that there's two parts to this question. The first is that you'll never, ever, ever let go of the capacity to feel guilty about something. That's never going to go away. You're never going to let go of the instant possible perception that you should be guilty because of whatever reasons you're giving yourself. That's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. And if it's always going to be there, then it's recognizing, well, how the fuck did I get there? Why am I in that perception? Is there another perception? Of course there is. Of course there's another perception. The, usually the perception of guilt is perce the perception that we could have done something differently, which is absurd. 
right? Because obviously we couldn't have done it differently. Any of the things that we're looking at now, looking backwards that we've learned since not doing it the, the right way, in our opinions, are only things that we've learned because we did it the way that we did. So there's no way for you to retroactively give yourself a lesson and change the entire path at all. But you can miss more moments now that you're going to feel guilty about later because you weren't fully invested in them now because you're dwelling in guilt. So you can continue to make the same mistake, mistake, quote unquote, or you can learn why you did it, what you were invested in it and what you were invested in, what made you blind yourself, what made you make those choices. Just be honest with yourself. You can use this feeling of guilt as an, as an exercise in self-honesty without judgment. Because as soon as you judge yourself, you are no longer learning. You are no longer just taking it in. And it's because you want the pain to stop. Now, if, if I just say I'm a piece of shit that I don't have to deal with this anymore. Right? And that's it. Just let it process. Let all the considerations process. And remember, the more you take it in without judging yourself, the more you change as a person. There is no better way to honor the mistake that you perceive yourself to have made than to continue to learn from it. And that means not judging yourself. It means not stagnating. So I, I would say that it's not necessarily about letting go of guilt so much as recognizing that you're doing it to yourself and you don't need to because it's actually setting you farther and farther and farther from the place that you want to be to atone for your fucking guilt. Well fucking said. And as you hold on to this idea that like even that guilt is something that can be overcome so it's not an option in the moment. It's like this idea that if it is seen as an option or it's there, then you're doing something wrong in that experience, because I think it's something that can be overcome as opposed to no, it's always, you know, the opportunity, the opportunity to think up about myself is always going to be there. I'm going to use different ways, you know, whether it's guilt, whether it's judgment, whether it's anything to give myself the excuse to think about myself, but that's all it is in each moment. Like each moment is the opportunity to think about yourself or not think about yourself and judgment and shame and guilt and all of those things are, are very juicy ways of thinking about yourself because you think that you're doing like a, a service to something like you're benefiting something by feeling shameful or guilty or that's a way to reconcile with something that you did as opposed to right to your point looking at it and changing and like how much self-judgment as common as it is it's just a really 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 easy way to keep thinking about yourself <laughs> like it doesn't take much to to try and judge yourself like it's it's right there like the option is right there all the time because you don't have to do anything incorrectly to judge yourself you can just think that you're doing something incorrectly. You don't even have to mess up. You can just pretend like you did or make an assumption that you did and then you can judge yourself for it. And it's such a, oh, it's just like, oh, it's right there all the time. Like, oh, that was a, that was probably a stupid thing to say. It's like, motherfucker, you don't know that. You don't know. Oh, that was a terrible thing to do. Oh, that they're definitely thinking about me all the time. I definitely know that. And, and therefore I know that I'm so, so stupid. And I know all these things. And oh, my gosh, was this a stupid thing to say? Oh, my gosh, like, oh, my God, like over and over and over and over. And you can do it moment to moment to moment to moment, because there's always the opportunity to measure yourself if you're thinking about yourself relative to something else that you think that you're not. But without that 
ability to to know to be sure of it it's way harder to focus on that with any degree of certainty because as soon as it's like as soon as it's like i don't know how this is being perceived like i've maintained a bar for myself for a very 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 long time of of something else it's like changes moment to moment and it's always shifting all over the place and i'm trying to constantly measure it as it's going relative to what i'm doing as opposed to just realizing like oh i'm the one holding on to this bar this certainty this guarantee that if i'm not meeting this i'm doing something wrong and so therefore i can keep thinking about myself as opposed to just fucking letting go and being like yeah i don't know I don't know how this is going to be looked at, how it'll be perceived, what's going on, what's next, what's to come. I don't, I never do. Like, I don't know how it's going to be taken, whether it's going to be understood, whether I'm ever even being listened to with any degree of certainty. Like, as you're talking or interacting or going about your day, it could be that no one ever actually fully pays attention to you at all. Like, what if, what if that, was the case that everyone was literally never actually paying attention to you. And when you realize like your story about yourself is not the same as them, they're not paying attention to the story that you have of yourself. And so they're not paying attention to you. And so no one's ever actually paying paying attention to you ever. So you are alone in that experience. Like you are entirely alone until you start making up ideas of, relative ideas of how it you should be relative to how you are and you can constantly do it just to maintain me this this illusion that you're not that i'm not alone because i'm with myself because i'm because i'm something separate than what's happening right now that can be judged that can be thought about even but but i'm not it's just a comfortable familiar fucking brutal slice of hell <laughs> yeah that's a good way of putting it for sure i want to say thank you to everybody who's joined us so far because we actually have quite a few people not just on instagram but also on our other streams because we are also on twitch youtube live twitter uh linkedin and facebook right now you can follow us on any of those accounts thank you all for being here we really appreciate it you have a question in your instagram feed i'm just going to read it here do you feel like being sober for an extended period of time is a way of judging our past and our past self instead of working on what's really the problem now i like this because this is often what happens is that people get stoned they indulge in it for a little bit too long and then they stop they're like oh shit, i I indulge in that a little bit too much i need to, to lay off a little bit but they don't just lay off a little bit They lay off entirely. They abstain entirely. Now they're making decisions moving into the future based on a perception that they wasted time in the past rather than just going, oh, I indulged until now I've learned, oh, that's a little bit overbalanced. Go back a little bit the other way, right? But then again, there, there's an easy way to overbalance over to the side of control, the side of of tension, the side of, you know, identification and all of that other fun stuff. And so to abstain and then to identify with that, with abstaining is, is, just as much as as an indulgence as smoking too much weed right so we're looking at the past and then trying to judge ourselves moving forward when really it is just about moment to moment looking at our relationship with ourselves how we feel right now and the level of tension that we're dealing with or adding to the tension that we're already carrying right because it's in that that you're like taking myself a bit too seriously you can take some responsibility for that, 
right? And, and so you're like, you know, okay, that's, that's me doing it. I'm going to relax. I'm good. All right. Now I'm relaxed. I wouldn't mind, you know, smoking a joint or I wouldn't mind even having a drink, right? But if you don't watch how much you are relaxed, if you are just abstaining for the sake of white knuckling reality and making sure that you've proven yourself that you can do this yourself and all the pressure that goes with that, eventually you're just going to end up swinging hard the other way. Right. Because of all the pressure, it's just like, you know, steam, like eventually just lid comes off and that's what's going to happen. And so it's always about living in, in the oscillation of life. It's about accepting the fact that sometimes you're going to want to feel a little bit more in control. And sometimes you're going to want to remember that you're not in control. And eventually you'll find some middle ground as you continue to get older. And I can and I say this in speculation, uh, because, of course, I'm still oscillating back and forth. The only difference is that I don't feel that oscillation as much as I used to. It's, it's not quite as jarring. Like, I I know, for example, it's like, okay, I, I'm just smoking this to get high. And I don't smoke for those reasons. Right? But that came through a lot of times of, of just going, fuck, I'm so tense, I need to smoke a joint. And then, and then realizing that's the worst reason to smoke a joint. At all, in the same way, like I'm having a bad day, I need a drink is the worst reason to drink. Yeah, my go-to is usually I'm feeling a little too comfortable, a little too sure of certain opinions. <laughs> let's uh, let's smoke a little bit and uh, wipe those clean. And that I think is a, I like the, the points about the oscillation because it's not like uh, we so badly want there to be a right way, like something to look to and be like, no, this is the right way to, to act, to live as opposed to just it always being on me to figure out what the right thing to do is without any guarantees, any certainty whatsoever, it just comes down to me. So when the question comes up, like how much weed is enough weed to smoke, how much weed is too much to smoke? It's like, there's no one to ask. There's no one that can guarantee for you in your experience what that looks like but you have to be willing to be honest with yourself and even as i'm saying that you don't have to be willing to be honest with yourself at all that's an option too but you don't have to be so caught in this idea that oh there is a right way like there is something out there someone to just tell me the best way to do this thing the best way to live life the right way to live life like we're looking around looking for the best way to live life using barometers like money, fame, success as indicators of the best way to live life. And they aren't like, they're not good indicators. <laughs> they're not good indicators at all of the way to live life. Cause we see it play out. Like we see it over and over and over and over and over and over again, that that's not where that means we even know it's like, it's what, like the income that happiness continues on or, or gets bigger is, is settles around, I don't know, 50 or $60,000 a year, like above that, there is not a, a, a strong indicator of an increase in happiness. And yet we, we don't want to look at that. And so we'll just keep striving and striving and striving and striving for more and more and more and more and more and more, more with no sensitivity whatsoever, just because I think there's like an end to that road, a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, as opposed to looking around, like looking at what's actually happening. Like we, we see it play out like that, that, you know, Jim Carrey quote, like, I wish everyone could realize their hopes and dreams to realize that that's not it, like, and get all of their fame and fortune and all of those things. So they can realize that that's not 
it. That's not necessarily what's going to do it. Like it has to be a prioritization of where you're at. Like this is the only thing you're ever experiencing <laughs> right now, your response to right now. And so whatever is there coming back to the sobriety weed conversation, like whatever you're going through is going to be based on your response, no matter what, you know, thing you're using. And so with something like alcohol is going to be based on a response to a certain situation, but there's also the realization like that's going to have certain impacts and it's still your responsibility. And the same with, with weed, as much as things can get brought up and we can be very quick to say like, oh, it's the weed doing it. It's just the passing off of responsibility. And then we can go swing in that other direction and be super sure that you know, oh, my opinion's correct. That certainty starts to come back in force that this is the way that I should be living or, or or it's more easy to maintain certain perspectives, certain comfortable perspectives of yourself because there isn't so much of the uh, intense like volatility or, or the potential for volatility. It's like the potential for fluctuation is very subtle. So when there is a fluctuation in one direction it's like it isn't as intense of a feeling of an impact but as the volatility increases the potential for change almost increases and so if everyone in the world became a stoner like things would change quickly like if everyone started smoking a bunch of weed like thing it, it would be like kind of a sink or swim type situation there would be a lot of anxious people there wouldn't be many destructive people though or violent people at all but there would be a lot of shifts in perspectives a lot of change at once and now i'm imagining if everyone had like mandatory tomorrow everyone had to wake up and smoke a full entire joint and go about their day and just like see what happens that would be that would be very interesting <laughs> you know i i can already hear the outcry of you know but weed can cause a psych um a psychological break I I I have met people who have had those experiences on weed. I've been with people as they've had those experiences on weed. It's only because of the gap. It really is. Like there is such a wide gap between the the illusion of control that they think they have the rest of the time, how much they're juggling in their head and the place that weed is trying to bring them that there is nothing but panic. It's just because, oh my God, oh, all these thoughts, oh my God. And, and it's just because all of a sudden they're aware of all the shit that's going through their head that they're distracting themselves with the rest of the time. So it's not the we, it's what we're doing to them. It's the mentality that they're taught to invest in. It's this illusion of control and identity and comparison and everything else because it's panic. It's panic. It's not a psychological break. It's panic. And that panic comes from the illusion that you had control to begin with. So it's so funny. We want to pass it on to the weed, but it's not. It's the fact that we, as, as a culture, really don't emphasize relaxation. We really don't, you know, we, we really emphasize like the, the circus in your head, you know, and when weed comes along, it's like, oh, there's shit happening right here. Have you tried chocolate? And, and you're just like, you know, oh, my God, this is so good. Are people watching me eat this? What do I do? And it's all these normal thoughts that you have the rest of the time, right, that you you normally cope, compensate for by planning or structuring or justifying or doing any of those things. And weed, you're just you, you just feel vulnerable. So it's not weed that's causing it. It's the fact that they're already in psychological distress.
Oh my gosh. And so <laughs> that's, that's a great point. Cause we think it's like, there's this baseline experience of sobriety that isn't at all impacted by the rest of society and all the mechanisms of control and judgment and criticism that are taught as we're growing up in the school system. And so like, because we don't want to look at that and we don't want to look at and, and be responsible for our experience and, and sure you can recognize like, oh yeah, the, the schooling system is wild the way that it indoctrinates kids into basically learning to judge themselves and think about themselves. And it's like a perfect mechanism of doing that a great way of just sending kids through a system under the guise of it's what's best, like what else would happen? It's, it's like all of these ideas of what would happen without, without school coming. And it's like, so there isn't so much consideration for that, but we don't want to look at the fact that, you know, weed is something and our mentality is something. And like both can teeter at all times. It's not like mentality and, and mechanism of desire for control, illusion of control, being able to be in control and just always avoid what's actually happening right now and suppress whatever is happening right now. Like that's, that's a taught mentality. It's just the mentality and the mentality of weed don't vibe but it's not that that's this baseline like so we talked about sobriety and people being sober and like sober's the best thing it's like oh it's it's <laughs> and it's even oh my god i really i just realized how egotistical it is when people are like oh you need those substances i can do that without any substances i can have fun without any any cannabis or weed look at me look at me and how good I am and having fun and accepting myself when I'm sober. It's like, okay, but that's based on a mentality <laughs> that you're, you're taught and told and, and focused on. And so it's just, mm, it's funny how that, even that is like a measurement of myself versus, and it's so, oh, it's such an easy one to be able to say like, oh, that person's relaxed while well, they're you know, they're using a crush, they're focusing, they're, they're utilizing this. And so therefore I can feel better about myself because I'm convincing myself that I can be relaxed without that thing, despite not even realizing because in that mentality, you can avoid all the things not making you feel relaxed. So when you smoke weed, maybe those things come up and then it's just like, we've been able to contort it into, it's not that I can't handle that. I'm just, it's better to be sober. It's better. It's just better. It's good to be sober. It's bad to be influenced by substances. And so we don't even look at what's actually going on or the fact that we're influenced as fuck when we're sober. We're arguably more influenced by all of the things that we've focused on, certainties that we've held on to. Then when we're sober, it's like we're way less certain about things. So we're actually probably when you measure them up, almost definitely mushrooms, weed, you're way less influenced than when you're sober because all of the perceptions, all of the false certainty can be maintained very, very easily when you're sober, but it's a lot tougher too. And so the influences are actually way higher when you're not under the influence. <laughs> I find it so funny because there have been times where I've just been sober, but feeling really relaxed and kind of goofy, like I said earlier, and a response from somebody who's uptight most of the time is, are you high? I find that just so funny. So the problem isn't, it's not even about sobriety. It's just the mentality of being in control. It's not that they're advocating for sobriety because they would be advocating, 
they would be telling you to smarten up and get more serious if you were sober and relaxed and goofy. So it's not even about whether or not you're sober. It's about whether or not you're as uptight as they are. That's really all it is. Why aren't you taking this shit as seriously as me? <laughs> that's, that's, that's pretty much it. It's like, because I don't have to. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And it's just like, here's all the reasons you do. And here's all the reasons you're a failure if you don't. And it's just because we have this just this obsession with getting somewhere rather than recognizing that the only place you're hurrying to is your grave. <laughs> that is it. That's the only thing you're rushing to, towards whatsoever. And when you get to the last five minutes of your life, if you even have like the wherewithal to know you're going to die, you are going to look back at all the stupid shit you took seriously. And you're going to be like, why did I do that to myself? Why did I do that to myself? My God, I spent an entire life judging people for smoking weed. Never once tried it. <laughs> oh, that would suck. And, and that's just the whole point. It's just that recognition. And this is the thing is we forget that. We, we look at the substances. We forget the mentality, right? This is why um, Bob Marley was saying, you know, they, they don't want us to smoke weed because they think we'll rebel. Rebel against what? And that is the most valuable question right there because that's what nobody's looking at. That's what they don't want you to look at. That's what this system doesn't want you to look at. What to rebel against. They don't want you seeing how fucking tense you are. They don't want you seeing that you live in a world entirely constructed in your head where your value is something that can be measured and compared to your perceptions of other people according to what you've earned, what you wear, where you live, what color skin you have, how you talk, that, that anything about you whatsoever can be nailed down to a thought. And that, that's the whole point. You know, is you relax enough and you start going, oh, well, I, I think a lot about a lot of stupid shit. But it's only stupid when you're relaxed. Because when you're taking it seriously, when you're terrified, those thoughts are like, you know, that you think they're going to stop you from drowning. It's like, I'm drowning. I got to think about shit. What? Aside from what's in front of you and what you can do. But how much of your thought isn't what you can do, but how much of a fucking schmuck you are for having to go through it or how little you can accomplish or what's go what are the obstacles against you? What are the assumptions of the future? How, how somebody else would do it better? How many of those thoughts are you carrying around that are fucking useless? But we've learned them. And they are what run our society and is the basis of our fucking mental health epidemic at the end of the day. And it's that's it. It's, oh, weed. Weed's bad for you. Weed's bad for you. And it's like, yeah, yeah. You know, so is judgment. You know, so is living in this constant state of not feeling like I'm enough. That's way worse. Oh, my gosh. And that thought that we can measure that value, that like that in and of itself, the illusion that you can measure your value is essentially the backbone of the entire society that we've built, because without that ability, you're left with just what's going on. And so we'll rely upon it one way or the other, but the opportunity in every moment is always the entire spectrum. As long as you're focused on that spectrum and you can just focus on or, or suppress or avoid or, or prioritize certain perspectives that at least keep it at bay but all of the weight of all of the potential perspectives are still there like they're still being felt 
in different ways. And, and the opportunity is always there until you realize like, oh, it's it's not. But that's moment to moment. It's not even a thing that you get. Like, it's not a, a spot that's then spanned out. It's just right now. Do I think my value can be measured or not? Do I think there's something wrong with what's going on right now? Do I think there's something wrong with me right now? Like that's that's it. And so there can be habitual responses to that or ways or, or things that we assume that I can assume guarantee something one way or the other. But there's an equal potential <laughs> on either side of any spectrum for anything that I do or say to be taken in any way, shape or form, like even recently posting more cannabis weed stuff, like all back to back comments being like, oh, you've fallen off, bro. Like you're just fucking stoned all the time. Like what what's going on? Like you're not sharing anything of value. And then someone else is like, I really appreciate these videos. Love you. Love to see you sharing yourself. Helps me feel like I can be more myself and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yeah, those are pretty, pretty far extremes. And they're right next to each other. And, you know, both both think they're definitely correct and and i mean obviously with the, with the side just the appreciation i'm not saying like you know don't do either like you can do whichever you want you can respond whatever way that you want but it it's not as certain so we want to think like even the realization like your opinion's not the truth your opinion's not objectively true like your perspective of me your perception of me and and what i'm doing and how i'm expressing myself and what things I'm interested in or sharing have nothing to do your, your perspective have nothing to do with the reality that's actually happening and, and your perspective of anything has nothing to do with what's actually going on you can't know you can't quantify you can't idealize what's actually going on you can only see it you can only be involved in it and if you're maintaining some fucking idea what it is that you're so sure of all the time, be it about someone else, be it about yourself, you it's it's hard to relax right now. It's like I'll, I'll trade that certainty for the state of relaxation. Like I'll prioritize that, which doesn't make any sense because like, and I guess that's why there's there's the push to not be relaxed. Like there's the stigma against relaxation itself is is nuts. Like you can't relax. You got to be doing stuff. At all times, doing something or at least feeling like you're something. If you feel like you're doing nothing, judge yourself for that. And then you're doing something again, always doing something because that that spot where you're not here, when you're not thinking so much, like you're, you're left with yourself. And if there's not something that you're doing, there's almost a serene sort of quiet that can, can feel almost empty if you think that it should you should be here in something or, or you don't think you can just be here so anyway it's uh it's funny the stigma against relaxation is fucking just gnarly and how much the response is you know contribution contribution to to society it's like what exactly is that contributing to if our society is going towards you know there's always a push for growth and you know, more growth, more this, more that, more, 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 without any consideration for what's actually going on right now. Like what, what are you contributing to exactly as you contribute to society? Like, I don't want to look at what society is turning into or, or, or evolving through by just maintaining that idea of you got to get it somewhere. You got to be doing something in some for some 
way to improve yourself at all times. And so we can get addicted to trying to improve or judge ourselves as opposed to just fucking letting that shit go and not being able to be sure, recognizing you can't be sure. But don't worry. If you uh, take five or 10 minutes a day to sit in an ice bath or uh, go to meditation or go to yoga, you know, that's going to fix you right up. You know, know, on the same note, if you go to church once a week, that's going to keep you really close with God. Um, Isn't it funny how how everything like in terms of those things specifically that that are really just an exercise in in self-awareness, right, get segmented into specific parts of our lives rather than being integrated into the entirety of our lives it's really what's that you're you're stressed out you know you're going to go see a therapist or you're going to go to yoga once a week or you're going to you know you're going to do one of these things but your entire being isn't necessarily going to be influenced you're still going to go to work tomorrow and worry about whether or not you're going to get that promotion whether or not somebody else is going to take your job whether or not susan over in accounting is judging the suit that you wore today you know things like that like you're still going to think the same way but don't worry, you'll segment certain parts to try and mediate or, or to try and cope with all of that. Why do we do that? Like, why do we say, why did we segment God to, to church on Sundays, for example, you know, or only certain points where we're praying or, or why did we segment the, the, you know, I guess just awareness of reality down to just one little part. And it's because we're all kind of altering at, at, at the, uh, the altar of, or we're worshiping at the altar of, of progress. Like we're all going somewhere, you know, it's like they, there's this really like we, we you got to get a job. Why do I get a job? Well, you got to get a job. You got to get, get a house. It's like, oh, you got to get a house. And then I got to get a bigger house. You got to get a newer car. You know, well, why? It was because everybody else has got this and you're not enough. And there's just more and more of this justification to continuously need to be doing something more. Like we long ago got rid of our need to, to be working all day fucking long to, to, to feed ourselves. Like that's not a thing anymore. That used to be our driving ambition. That's why we worked so hard, was to feed ourselves. Most of the work we did in a year was either working the crop or hunting, right? Like that was the whole point. Like that was a large part of what we did as a species. And yet now when food production is easier and and more automated than it's ever been, we're working more than we ever have. For what? For what? For for Viagra? Is that what this progress is for? Is that really the direction? Like, really? You know, like, that's what we consider to be progress. And, and again, it's like, well, it drives the economy, it creates jobs, and it gives old men hard-ons. You know, it's like, for what reason? You know, it's not to say, and then again, you know, if you're an old guy and you're using Viagra, you know, I'm not, I'm not shooting down on you, but I maybe just take the fucking stress off a little. I'm just saying, like, take the pressure off for performance a bit, you know, maybe work on your relationship, work on your sensitivity, take the walls down, you know, get a little used to touch. There's work that you could do as a person that will revive that old boy. I'm just saying. Um, But the point is, is that as a society in terms of progress, it just seems weird that we must always be continuously, continuously trying to go in a direction where we must all be working all the fucking time for what? It's like we've completely forgotten what life is about, which is here and now. How are you facilitating your experience of here and now? You have a roof over your head? Can you eat? You know, are you relaxed? What's your relationship with yourself? Because after all the other stuff, it really comes down to your relationship with yourself. 
not about where you're going to go in your life, not about how you're going to re be remembered. Because frankly, the only reason you want other people to remember you is because you don't feel like you're important enough to yourself. So you got to be important to other people. Right? And you're never going to be anything more than a fucking name. You're never going to be more than an idea to those people. They're never going to know you for you. So all you've got is your existence now. That's all you've got. There's nowhere to go. There's nothing to become. There's nothing you're going to do that's going to make you more you. It's just about your existence here and now. That's it. That all. That's all it is. And so that mentality is not what drives our, our current system. It's the reason our system is hell-bent on the economy. It's the reason that we, we uh, fall back on Keynesian economics. Right. And I love the foundation of Keynesian economics, which is just to keep the economy to keep the economy going, pay people to dig holes and then pay people, pay other people to fill those holes in. That is the foundation of Keynesian economics. It's just meant to keep us working. It's just meant to keep us going. For what? We, we were long ago able to create enough luxuries for everyone on this planet. And yet we don't and we don't because we're all scrambling for the latest edition or the latest version or the latest fucking thing that's coming out rather than realizing like the last version was fine. Let's distribute that to everyone. All right. It's just I got to get mine. Well, why? Well, because everybody's ca catching up. I got to keep ahead of what? That's why I always find it funny. We use the expression the human race. How fucked is that? Oh, my God. And, and there's always the opportunity to with that constant measurement like you can always be looking around wondering and if that's the basis on which you're living your life there's always going to be a desire for that until and it's just fucking like running from yourself like i gotta be more i gotta be more i gotta be more so i don't have to just be myself right now because i can i can build my life off of becoming something constantly becoming something and that illusion fucking legacy is brutal like that is brutal because then that allows us to just like you know have our lifetime whatever and then just continue running to the next thing literally into the grave like literally running into the grave if your priority is your legacy and i hear that a lot from people who are getting older it's like as the continued avoidance of my experience right now is perpetuated is prolonged the focus has to be on after death, because it's getting harder and harder and harder to prioritize something within my life that isn't my experience right now. So there has to be the focus on legacy and the continuation of that, like the continuation of the idea of myself as I as I continue on. And it's incredible. There was a uh, there was a comment on here that I want to get to on uh, Instagram, uh, but yoga ice baths and one's own way of managing stress are valid just as important uh, and just as important as your solution. You can't say not to be judgmental, but then, then say those things about others' mechanisms. So it's not a, it's not, you want to, you want to take Oh it. yeah, no, I got to, I got to <laughs> address this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it, it's the, uh, and you know what, it's not judgment by any means, but it is a recognition that those things are often taken as silver bullets. Those things are often taken. And, and unfortunately you worded it perfectly in that it's a way to cope with your stress. It's a way to cope with your stress, but it is not a way to recognize why you are continuing to stress. And so it is a silver bullet in that it's going to help you continue to march on the way that you've been marching on. Whereas there is a whole other 
element to it in terms of self-awareness that you can't get from just coping with things. You can't get by just going, well, yeah, I was, I was really not enjoying my life at all, but now I take ice baths. Like one day you're not going to have an ice bath. You know, one day, you know, yoga is not going to do it for you. You know, and, and that's the whole point is that you can't hold off the punishment that you're giving yourself the rest of the time just by holding on to one practice. You know, it's just a coping mechanism, I guess is my point. And that's the word you used, right? It's just a coping mechanism. That's different than actual healing. Well said. Yeah, it's, it's like a uh, shiny way of avoiding the root of the issue, the root of the suffer, the root of whatever psychological suffering you're dealing with and going through. And that was a big part of an experience I had a couple of years ago was like, I relied upon all of those things. Like those things always did it. They kept, and it's, it's funny cause it's like meditation, gratitude, positivity, affirmations, this whole sort of morning routine I would go through. It wasn't that it was solving anything. Like it wasn't curing anything. It was just allowing me to build some other shit on top of the shit that I had that allowed me to continue to avoid looking at the root. So it was just a little bit more suppressed. Certain things, certain things were a little bit more, a little bit number than they were when I wasn't relying upon those things. Cause then there would be situations where, you know, there would be situations like later in the day where I'd be like, Oh, this is a, you know, thing I'm dealing with right now. And then I think back and be like, did I meditate today? And if I remembered that I did, like I would relax more. And then if I was like, fuck, I did that. Cause it was, it was this thought that that was doing something for me and it wasn't faith in myself. It was faith in something else. And so all of these things, as much as they can seem like they're they're fixing you, they're solving something, it still allows you to think that there's something else that you need. Like, I, I need this. I can't just have faith in myself right now. And you can have faith in yourself and still do those things. But as long as there's a reliance upon those, it's very difficult to just trust yourself because there's going to be almost inevitably a maintenance of some sort of idea that then has to be continuously monitored it's like all right am i maintaining the idea and it's almost like that's what the constant judgment is like i have this idea and i need to constantly maintain it and what would i be if i wasn't constantly maintaining my perspective that i judge myself or focus on myself and if that's part of the story that i'm telling myself then it's going to be something that I continue to do. And if that's, a, and if you know, utilizing some of these things to make myself feel better or again, cope with that stress, as opposed to actually look at where it's coming from, then I can use coping for anything. And it, it can allow me to avoid looking at it, like looking at the stress. Where is this coming from? Why, why do I have this perspective? Oh, it's coming from somewhere. If, as long as there's coping mechanisms, there's going to be the avoidance of looking at it. Like it's going to be, it's just a convenient way to avoid looking at where it's actually coming from, which is my focus on some idea of myself, like some certainty that I can know myself, that I'm, I know what is going on, how I'm doing, how things are happening. There is some certainty going on that I know and you don't. Yeah. 
and and I just want to make it clear, like I don't expect people to to like it when I say shit like that. Like when I rip on uh, ice baths and and meditation and and the silver bullet approaches to fixing your life. Like I don't expect people who are invested in those silver silver bullets to appreciate what I'm saying at all, because I wouldn't have, and I didn't. I just want to make that clear, and I didn't with every silver bullet that I invested in. I didn't want to hear that it wasn't the path. I didn't want to hear that it wasn't the way. And I also want to address one more thing. It's like, well, you you say not to not to judge other people, but you're judging these things. I'm not judging them. I'm talking about them. I'm talking about their impact. I'm talking about their our intention in doing them. I'm talking about the fact that they are not going to do the thing that you want them to do. That's not judgment. And you don't have to do it, quote unquote, my way, because my way, you'll notice, is not telling you what to do. <laughs> <laughs> my way is, is my way. It's my way. You can't possibly do my way because I'm the only one doing my way. I'm the only me. I'm the only one in this position experiencing this as I am. So there's no way for you to do it my way. And I know there's no way for you to do it my way. And even if there was, don't do it my way. Last thing you want to end up is like me, for sure. So the point is, do it your way. And if, if, if there isn't my way or an our way or a DU way, it's your way. It's your way, but, and this is the caveat to that. It's your way, not the you that you think you should be, not the you that other people think you should be, or that you perceive other people think you should be, not the fictional you, the you that you are when you're not embracing that fiction, when you're not trying to be something else, the you when you're not thinking about it. That's your way. That's your Buddha nature, as it were, your nature. That's what we need. There is no our way. There is only your way. And all of us experience it, experience it in our own way. Well said. Yeah. My way is just the way when I'm not like not thinking about what's going on so much, like not having trying to hold on to some idea of what's playing out. It's just what's playing out. It's just what I am being expressed at all times. And so even when I'm convinced that there is a certain thing that I'm doing or, or a way to be, it's still playing out, but there's going to be more suffering, more resistance to what's going on, depending on what you think you are and what's being maintained and what idea you're holding on to. And that's where, you know, that, that psychological suffering comes from is that gap between what's actually going on and my opinion of what's going on and all I ever am like the story I'm maintaining is just my opinion about what I think should be different about what's going on. But if it's just what's going on, then they're, it's, it's a lot harder to have so many thoughts and opinions about it because like as cliche as it, as it is, it, it just is was what it is. <laughs> I stumble through that. And so any perspective that you have of, it being or should being or wishing or anything like that's not what it is like it's it's so irrelevant it's so fucking irrelevant and yet that to me even hearing that even hearing myself say that it's like no it's kind of relevant come on my opinion means something it's gonna have some give me some control give me some certainty as long as i hold on to oh yeah this is this is how I think it should be. This is how I think things should be. How I should be. How I should be. 
<laughs> relative to how I am. And I'm always just fucking how I am. Always. And I can hold on to should. But it's just a distraction from just continuing on. Just continuing on. And just being it right now. Like not needing, not with, and not being it with some idea. It's just continuing to be it without so much goddamn certainty about what that should be. I don't know. I know what it could be. There was a question earlier on in our uh, in your Instagram feed, and I, I can't find it at the moment. And I just want to mention it quickly. Just uh, somebody who's been listening to the podcast. We have a podcast, by the way. For anybody who isn't aware, we have a podcast called Dualistic Unity. Uh, I'll throw up the QR code. Do check it out. Uh, we have a lot of episodes. We have over 300 episodes now. We, we've been doing this conversation for a long time. Um, the point of the question was that as they're coming to be more aware, as they're starting to relax more, as we said earlier in this episode, which is really what it is, you're questioning yourself, you're, you're letting down your guard, you're a bit more willing to, to be more vulnerable, but that also means that you're willing to step outside the box of what you think you should say to other people. Uh, and you start thinking more about what you want to say to other people. And that starts to cause ripples, especially as if that change is fairly abrupt from the perception of other people. If you've been quiet, if you've just been abiding by a certain idea of yourself in, with these people in your life, then it can be very abrupt when all of a sudden you're like, hey, have you thought about this? And they're like, holy shit, you're talking, what, what's happening? <laughs> and so they can get a little afraid. They can, they can have difficulty adjusting because they are not in fact necessarily dealing with you all the time they've become comfortable with an idea of you and therefore an idea of them in relation to you and you are now changing that idea and so the question was you know i'm how do i deal with this i'm feeling a bit isolated from the people in my life and i'm assuming it's because they don't want to talk about these things in which case i would say you don't have to talk about these things you don't have to talk about the awareness that you're coming to you don't have to it is important when you are becoming aware to recognize that not everybody is going to be coming to awareness with you like a lot of people are going to be continuing to want to feel comfortable and tense and in control and so take what you can from those conversations but don't try to make them the conversation you want it to be because to do so without consideration for the people in the room is ultimately just costing yourself like it's it's causing yourself conflict and stress like you're just not paying attention to what's in the room because of what you want it's just another exercise in that and i understand especially with really enthusiastic about the change that you're going through you're like fuck this is great but it's just as important to recognize that at one point you were way more fragile than you are at this exact moment and a lot of people are still there and it does you no good to, to burn bridges. It really doesn't. And I say this as somebody who spent years burning bridges. Um, just you don't have to, you can give them the space they need to eventually come to whatever state of relaxation they can come to you tensing up about it isn't going to help anybody else get relaxed. Because the mo most important part about this is the relaxation. It's not the concepts. It's not the conversation. It's not dualistic unity. It's not any of that. It's relaxing. The more you relax, the more you change everything, the more space you give yourself, the more space you give everyone the more you accept yourself the more you accept everyone the more you're empathetic to yourself the more you're empathetic to everyone do you see it's not about the conversation if this conversation is helping you do any of those things or rather giving you a conduit to do any of those things great but it's you doing the thing it's not the conversation doing it 
it's you doing. So just remember that is that you don't have to burn these bridges. On the other hand, some people, sometimes you're not going to have control. Sometimes there is no resolution. Somebody's just going to want to judge you for relaxing and they're going to exit your life accordingly, or they're going to make it clear that they just, they just can't handle you around as often, in which case you're going to have to adjust. What you want here is not relevant to what is happening, which is what this is always about. What is happening and are you aligned with it or are you resisting it? Right. And if you're resisting it, it's because it's some idea that it shouldn't be happening based on what it means about you and all that other crap. Yeah, well said. And I can say firsthand that, you know, the conversation and even that, like wanting to get it across, wanting to share it, say it, it can become addictive to the point that it's almost like all you can ever like think about or talk about or, or feel like you can talk about. And like, cause you, you like the way that you can do it. If, and if you think that that's what it is, it's going to allow you to avoid the actual reality of the application of the relaxation of the setting yourself aside as, as long as you're maintaining me having this conversation, convincing someone else, telling someone else, as long as there's someone else to be convinced, there's a you to convince them and a you to be judged and a you to be constantly fucking thought about and, and considered. But if there is no one else to teach, there's no one else to, to tell, then you're always just left with yourself. And it's not the you that you're thinking about. It's the you that you are. And you finally start seeing that. Cause like the you that you've been thinking about, is just one tiny little perspective of the reality of you. Like there's so many perspectives out there and all you've been doing, all I've been doing, and it is allowed to be more maintained, more prolonged, more able to, I don't know if more is the right word, but whatever for the combo more often you can perpetuate that idea via this conversation and having it. And it's, it's like, it's an option for sure, but it's an option as much as, you know, taking a shit, standing up is an option. It's something to do. It doesn't make you, <laughs> that's fucking gross. Maybe it's because I got the, uh, the marathon coming up and people sometimes shit their pants and I'm like, that's in the back of way back. Cause I have not thought about that yet. But I have thought, oh, I'm probably going to have to shit at some point. And hopefully it's not too messy. Not that I'm going to shit standing up. I'm going to get in a porta potty and I'll sit down. Don't worry, because that would be silly to stand up. But anyway, my point being, having the conversation is not the answer. Getting good, getting, getting good at saying words and insights can be a very easy way to avoid the relaxation, avoid the uncertainty of what you are right now. It's another way to to solidify and, and reinforce me right now, whether it's I'm someone who shits standing up or I'm someone who's really good at having this conversation and saving the world through expressing this conversation and sharing, you know, all of these insights that are going to help someone else relax as I have this desire to get everyone else to relax, which is not really being relaxed. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly it is that it's so important to recognize that trying to convince somebody to relax isn't nearly as effective as just relaxing yourself. But on that same token, and I love how this has gone full circle, trying to convince somebody that it's okay that you're high isn't nearly as effective as just accepting that it's okay you're high. 
This has been a fun episode. I've really enjoyed this. We're going to have to actually make this an episode of Being High, I think. I wanted to say to everybody, thank you for joining us. Uh, if you don't know, we have a, a retreat coming up November 11th, but we also have a lot of other retreats coming up. You can check out the details at dualisticunity.com. Uh, thanks. Thank you, everyone. Uh, I love the fact that this conversation went so very smoothly, and we've been so very baked the entire time. <laughs> Uh, dude, I fucking love it. It's been, it's been fun. There's very, I felt very little weight the whole time. Like, I don't fucking know what's going to come out. Oh, there's a thought. Oh, there's a thought. We can run with that. We can run with that. Oh, I don't know what, uh, how this is going to end up. We'll see. We'll find out. It's been, uh, kind of exciting, but yeah, Amanda, that last comment, uh, I, I have a squatty potty. Cause yeah, apparently there's places where you actually squat on the ground. Cause it is the optimal thing. Like putting your feet down and at a, 45 degree angle like kind of fucks us up and i wonder about that. like how many things we do i mean just sitting down like contorts our body in a lot of ways and reinforces all these things and it's like yeah there's a lot of money to be made off of people who have fucked up bodies so yeah keep sitting keep uh pooping and not the not the optimal way because there's money to be made on all of that which is funny but yeah we'll we'll save that for the next live stream <laughs> <laughs> Whether you're standing up and pooping or sitting down and pooping, we just want to say thank you for pooping. Have a great day, everyone. We'll see you next time.